Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. This week it's episode 84 and as per usual my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout and this week I am joined by an absolutely fabulous actor, playwright, director, producer. Please welcome to the podcast, John Stewart. Drama School Dropout No graduation day for you Hello, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's all good. How are you doing on this lovely good. sunny day? Yeah, yeah, just what I would like to do on a summer's day. Yeah, sit inside and talk shy. <laughs> what I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast is how did you get into acting and what was your first ever role and it doesn't have to be a professional one we love a good nativity story that's actually quite a mad story so uh i never had drama or nothing like that when i was at school uh, or when i was a, a teenager i had any clubs or anything like that at all i would always daydream when i come to summer and you know what i'd like to try acting so I'd looked up at an agency and this is how I ended up stumbling into it. And the only extra job I ever did was for a phone call. It was called Danny the Dog at the time, but I'm sure it would get released as Unleashed. It had Jet Lee and Morgan Freeman in it. And they were on set the day uh, I was an extra. And I remember actually stepping on a fake stank and breaking it as well. Just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now, now one of the ones that make it look like New York where there's like steam coming out. Aye. Um, Anyway, during one of the breaks, I was talking to I was talking to Morgan Freeman. I was just asking him some questions, and uh, he was the one that says, "We want to get an agent." So uh, it was after that form I bought the book Contacts, and it had the list of agents and personal managers and stuff like that. And it was, uh, it was this one guy I kept. I was trying to get him on the phone. I'm sure his name was Michael or something. Uh, I could never get him to take a call. I would always phone and say, "Oh, was regarding um, I want to be an actor. I'd like to speak." And I never get put through. And then uh, it was a friend that showed us an uh, open casting call in the newspaper for a film. So instead, I thought, I'm going to phone that agency. And I phoned them. I says, oh, this is John from whatever the, the production company name was. I says, can I speak to Michael? And they're like, what's it regarding? I said, the name of the film. So she's obviously spoke to him. So hold on. And he must have said, put, put him through, put him through. So I got on the phone. And I'm jibbing for like a couple of minutes. He's like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, John, can I just sign up? I was like, what, what's, what's this got to do with it? I was like, well, the truth is, I've got nothing to do with that. I said, I've been phoning you for weeks and you won't take my call. And he just burst out laughing. And uh, so he says, all right, fair play with you, man. He's like, uh, tell me about you, where did you study? And I went, what do you mean study? And, well, where, where did you learn? And I was like, oh, I didn't know you could. So yeah. he laughed again. And he was like, well, why don't you go to dra- uh, drama school first? And then keep in touch. I says, all right. I says, well, where's the drama skills? He'd say the conservatoire. Uh, and then he started listing a few colleges. Because it's so easy to get in there. <laughs> I, but one of them was Stowe. And I went, oh, I know Stowe. Because I used to drive past it in the bus on the way into town there, in the Aye. main building. You could have it on the side of the building and so I went in there and there it was HNC HND for acting and performance and I remember uh, I'm saying right you just need to perform to prepare two contrasting monologues I was like right I was like what's a monologue yeah 
<laughs> they even know what a monologue was. I was like, oh, it's a speech. And I was like, well, for like a movie? I'm like, well, no, it needs to be from a published play. I was like, right. So I, I remember it. I organised these monologues, practising the day I was going to do it today. I remember my pal phoning me. Are like, you nervous? I was like, no, nah. I was like, it's just like telling a story at a party, right? So I go in, uh, I'll never forget this. It was uh, still to this day, so I still speak to the lectures about it. Uh, Angela, Mary, uh, and it was that. Uh, Has Mary been there that long? Yeah, Mary was there. was my lecturer. I went in there and started doing the monologues, and I froze, like, couldn't remember money or words. <laughs> and I ended up saying, well, I'm sorry, I forgot everything. I mean, can I just tell you some jokes? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I could, they were just all looking at me, like, just stone-faced, like, um, okay, and the only thing that was coming to mind was football jokes. Oh, and I, I swear, and I mean, a sympathy laugh, not even a sympathy <laughs> laugh. And after a couple of jokes, I, I just, I just put my head down. I went, "I'm sorry, that's all I've got." <laughs> so they, they said to me, "They went, um, it's quite clear you're not ready for this this course." I went, but what we will do is put you in the waiting list for the NQ. So I didn't even get in, and um, I remember coming out. I was like, oh, God, man, I fucking, I went horrible. Anyway, a few weeks later, or maybe it was a few months later, I got a phone call. It was Emma, the girl who worked at the, the main building. Mm. And she says, John, somebody's just dropped out of the NQ. You were the first name that popped in my head. So she must have always remembered. That's how yeah. bad my audition was. <laughs> I, was like, I was. At least I was remember. Uh, mm. I could, they could remember me. That's how bad it was. Uh, yeah. She said, somebody's dropped out of the NQ. Uh, the NQ and I thought, you, would you like this? I was like, absolutely, I'll take it. She said, I was like, when does it start? She's like, tomorrow. I was like, right, no, 100%, I'll be there. And she goes, right, it's just one condition. This is what's that? She was like, name our shy jokes. You can now become an official drama school dropout. We're now on Patreon and you can help this podcast grow on so many levels. As an official Drama School Dropout, you'll have access to unique benefits including exclusive early access to episodes before anyone else. To become an official Drama School Dropout, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash drama school dropout. I do want to quickly talk about your time at drama school. Anybody that listens to this podcast knows that my favourite thing are crazy drama school stories. Because we all know that shit goes down behind those doors and it's some of the weirdest stuff in the world. Do you have a favourite drama school crazy story? I'd probably say one of the most embarrassing ones was um, I was jumping about. I would only describe it as like a fairy dance. I had wings or something. And I'd jump up in the air. I don't know what... It wasn't even during class. I think it, Mary, Mary, Mary's class. Mary. Of course she were jumping up and down in the air in Mary's class. I go and sort something. I think she was printing something. She was printing something and I'm sure I'm running about the class and prancing about and I'm getting some laughs. So I have to go big on, big on better, do I? And I did this big jump, boom, dislocated my shoulder <laughs> right out. <laughs> I just remember doing something like flicking my arms up, up in the air and it came out. I'd, isn't it? I'd never dislocated it before. And they ended up getting an ambulance <laughs> and they put me in this chair. So I came to see your new show. Well, I think it's done now, isn't it? God of Carnage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. finished it, yeah. Absolutely phenomenal show. Uh, it's a fun, it was a fun show. We had a very good... Thoroughly enjoyed it. First show, first time back at the theatre after the pandemic. And 
loved it. I, I will say that we were very early to the theatre because we'd came from our rehearsals with Leah. Leah was like, oh, I'll just give right. you a lift. So we were there, I want to say, like, we got there maybe about five-ish. The show's not till seven, yeah. eight-ish. And the other guy who was in the show came out and we were sat in the cafe. Because I even right. spoke to you at one point and didn't realise that you were you. Right, right. And this guy was, he had the vase. It was Michael. And he had the vase, and I overheard him say to the person, can you fill this up, because I've got a chocolate over someone. <laughs> and oh, I was waiting the whole show for this vase of water to be thrown over someone, and I was sat there like, <laughs> I know it's going to happen. Was you came? We came Saturday night. Saturday night. We had one, it was the Friday night. Uh, you know, you, there's always one show where everything, goes, everything can go wrong, goes wrong. You was telling us. Yeah, because there's a... a People that have seen God of Carnage, there's a vomit scene. And so there's a number of ways of doing it, but the simplest way is just to create this kind of wee bottle. We use a hot water bottle with a tube, goes behind, it's hidden in the floor, and you just need to stone on it. And uh, it's never failed <laughs> on Friday. We're all doing it, and we, it's always projectile vomit. It's so good. You get, you, you get to react to it, and then you get the whole yeah. way of cleaning it up. <laughs> and we're all there, and both, nothing came out. So now you can see it's all... I mean, the audience don't know any better and they'll probably just assume oh, it's supposed to be mimes, right? Yeah. But obviously we do, we're on stage and they could tell it, it threw us all, all off a wee bit. Yeah. And Michael was saying, because there's a bit we get to go off stage at that point, Michael's like, don't, Jen's, Jen said, don't worry, we've got the Vic, we've got the water, we've got the water, splashing the water, that, that'll be fun. So it gets to the end of the show and well, you've seen it, like where gets absolutely drenched. Yeah. I mean, she looks like she came out the canal. You can hear it bouncing off her, like the water, like the big splash. And so I duck down because it's me ducks and then she gets it. And I don't hear the splash. And I get up and I turn around and Leah's bone dry. And I'm like, where the fuck's all the water? <laughs> and I mean, Jen was only about six inches away. I don't know how she missed her. She probably like, totally missed her. Did he get a drop on her? <laughs> oh, it, yeah. it, it, it's always that that happens, isn't it? I remember, and if you ask Leah about this, she'll probably have a very different feeling towards what happened i smashed yeah. a big blast decanter when she did bull on stage right. opening night oh. massive crystal decanter i don't think it was real crystal probably wasn't it was the house um but it just went fucking everywhere so <laughs> what because the reason that i was interested to have you on is because it's your production company isn't it that produces all of this yeah well the, the god of carnage was really i mean because you've done it before, I know that. Well, I did, yeah, I did it once before uh, as part of uni. What had happened was, I mean, I hadn't been on stage for three years, something yeah. like that. It was the dumb way I was the last time. Maybe in four years, three, four years. Obviously, I was I was constantly working on stuff. There was a film, a true story, I'd been working a year and a half on. Uh, and we were getting close to that getting ready when the, the guy who it was about died suddenly. And then... I mean, I went in a detail, but then the TV opportunity room with the dirty water. So we spent a, I spent a couple of years developing stuff. So once we finally get dirty water, I mean, the reason why I went back to, I went back to putting a play on, I, I said, I was like, we need to keep doing stuff in between. Like, I don't want to go long periods. Yeah, I put, I put on God of Carnage just to obviously make sure we're still flexing the muscles and doing, doing, doing performances in between, in between waiting on the next thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to caveat that, I would like to say that I am available for auditions. <laughs> um, no pressure, but you've got my email and my phone number now. Um, I'm going to ask you a fun question now, and then we're going to talk about Dirty Water. 
if you were booked to do a one month run in a two person show in the West End and you could pick anyone with no financial restraints to be your co-star, who would you pick? Ooh. Anyone they have, in to be, they have to be alive. They have to be alive. Uh, there's got, but you can't be doing what Shakespeare. Anyone, even Denzel. Even Denzel, but he might be yeah. busy because he's in peace talks with Chris Rock yeah. and Will Smith. Yeah, <laughs> true. I mean, even maybe uh, countless names. Even somebody, Sam Rock. Well, right now he pops to mind because um, he's currently doing American Buffalo, which is an absolute passion project of mine. I'm desperate to do it. Hopefully going to get it sorted in the next year or so. Um, um, so my mate lives in New York now, and he went to see it on Sunday. Said Sam Rockwell was out of this world, didn't it? Um, so Good maybe, answer. Maybe Good answer. And for everybody that's returning to the podcast or everybody that's new, I'm on my weekly tirade again of Catherine Tate. Please come on the podcast or please do a two-person <laughs> show in the West End with me. I, <laughs> genuinely, I'll, I'll quit acting after that happens. Do you know what I mean? Like, it can't get any better than that yeah so we've mentioned it a few times now but dirty water is a play that you wrote and it's about um a cleaning company in glasgow that i want to say cleaned the tenement flats i couldn't actually find a copy of it online to read it so my research is is not great so you wrote this like um oh i did have the year i want to say 2012 yeah that's when we first put it on so actually i went to film school in london for writing yeah. Uh, I ended up stumbling on it. That's, it's another story how I stumbled on it writing as well. <laughs> the reason that idea came around is my guy I would call my mentor at that time um, was telling me to get some TV ideas because I, I told him I was probably going to hang about London long. Uh, once the course had finished, I was missing him. I'd been away for a few years. Yeah. His advice was like, write what you know, write stuff that you know that you can keep keep authentic. Yeah. And he says, get a TV idea. He says, films can be so difficult. It can take 10 years to happen. He says, but if you can get a TV, it's your brain well. So Dirty Water was initially a TV idea because I wrote treatment mm. for it. And what had happened was, so I came back, when I moved back, it was like starting from square one because of the zero contact contacts. I mean, I built up a wee bit of a network down in London, obviously being at film school. And I also knew that I had a theatre background and I know yeah. the theatre... All you need is a venue. Once you've got a venue, you can start putting things together. You can build it the way where with TV and film, it's the opposite. Everything needs to be organised well in advance. Mm. So I, there was this thing, this networking thing called Right Camera Action, where um, it was actually a game of work. Um, I'd say, oh, I've got this wee thing, you should come along. Uh, it'd be once a month. Basically, writers could submit, and on the night, you know, you, a director will get attached with a writer, you recruit actors and basically rehearse it for an hour and then they do a kind of sight reading performance. That's the way it I thought I'll submit something and I took two scenes of the Dirty Water TV pilot that I wrote. Uh, it went down an absolute storm. You know, it was really funny. And uh, that's actually how I met Joe, who's in it. That's, that was a, Joe that was well, Cassidy. Uh, Cassidy, yep, that's how I met him. And uh, I remember saying to Joe, because he's came out as well, and I was talking to him after it. And, uh, He's like, you want to lift up the road? And uh, I said to him, I was like, do you know, I was like, this, will work, this idea works as a play. I says, I'll write it as a play. I says, well, you want to read it? If I write it, he says, aye. And he told me, like, I don't think I can get it. People say these things and you don't hear nothing. But a month later, I'd wrote it. Yeah. And, I, and I'd, I'd messaged him. I says, I've wrote the script. Do you want to read it? And he, I mean, he wrote it right from the beginning. 
he was the one telling me he's like, this is a diamond. This audiences will love this. I'm in pretty much sort of the same boat. So we wrote mm-hmm. this play. This is where we get off. That's happened now. Yeah. It's had its first showing. What would be your advice? What do I do next? How do I turn it into a professional production? Because at the moment, I'm funding it all out of my own pocket. And yeah. obviously, can't really continue to do that. What, yeah. what do I do next? How do I get a tour? How do I go about that? Well, you want to give me some money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, money, that's always a thing. Look, yeah. I mean, we went through a right journey with Dirty Water. Um, after, you know, we put it on at Courtiers on more, they also, uh, we had a great response. And then I went, I went through to the Fringe Festival that year. I think it was my first time going to the Fringe as well when I was just, oh, I love this. It says, we're doing this next year. I had to, I think I, I had to raise about eight grand because we went to the Fringe for the full month where, yeah. But I set up accommodation and got us a flat in Edinburgh, actually 20 minute walk for the venue as well, um, Morningside. We were pretty good at fundraising, uh, like got quite a few companies to sponsor us. So this is kind of how I started to learn about getting some money. Yeah. Um, so companies were sponsoring local companies, uh, four or five hundred pounds. You know, we did a fundraising night where me, my uncle too, my cousins, Joe, we did the film Monty. Raised a grand that night, sold that out. What a desperate woman out there, I'm not getting on. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we managed to raise like, I was like, like I said, it was about eight and odd grand because the venue alone was four and a half grand yeah, for the month. It's mad. It was prime time. It was, we took it at like half seven or something the show. Um, well, I got the prices for the fringe last yeah i think i was talking about doing it in september and then we realized that it was it, it wasn't feasible and for one week at prime yeah. time it was six grand yeah. for our show well see I, I, I would actually go get see no i've been in fringe a few times the dirty water seems to be like an ex, a bit of an exception because when i was gone now and this is a hang i tend to when i decide today so i'll just figure out a way to do it Mm. When I was going there, everybody was saying you need to be ready to be performing to two people. The audiences are really small, unless you get any. We sold 78% of your tickets. We sold out a lot of nights. The smallest, yeah. it was only a 50 star, but the smallest audience we had was 30. It was the smallest audience we had. I remember speaking to Douglas Maxwell at um, one of his events at the Fringe, and he was asking me where I was going. I was telling him, he was like, that's unbelievable. He's like, just keep doing what you're doing. It like, word the mouth was just absolutely yeah. selling the show. And so when we came away for that, we are like, we have definitely got something. Mm. And um, we came close to getting a deal with the pavilion, um, or at least had some meetings with them anyway, because what had happened was uh, they'd seen it at the on more. Mm. And, and, and it was people, um, even audience goals that were at the show and they, they clocked the people for the pavilion, they're like, oh, you see, see this? You're going to take this? And um, so the, the lady who'd, who was mainly there to scout it, when I spoke to her after the show, she was crying about, oh, I'm not sure. Ian, Ian Gordon, we'd had some correspondence through the email, and he told me, he never seen the show, he'd said, but what well, does, there was some concerns that might not be ideal for us. Uh, and I think the thing that was highlighted was swearing. I says, look, we had some problems, it was a bit ad-libbing, and I says, it, and that's easily fixed. So he'd invited us in. I said, well, how about I take a meeting with Marie since she was the one that seen the show? And uh, I'd be able to get some feedback on where I need to go and do a bit of edits. Because it would, I, I think the show would have absolutely killed it in the pavilion. So what happened there then was, uh, I couldn't get a straight answer. I was asking her, is it this? Is it that? Is it this world? Can we know date? Is it yeah. Right, but 
no, well, depends. And I was getting run about answers. And I, I said to him there, I said, you know, you're missing a trick. I was like, people for Glasgow want Glasgow stuff. When still game ended, I think it was like seven years ago at this point, I says, Mrs. Brown's the closest thing you had to, to a Glasgow thing. That's left the pavilion because now that had just been on TV. That's Because that was in the pavilion for like 10 years. Yeah. I said, your audience want something like this. They want Glasgow things. And, you know, after that, what did they all start then? The Real Housewives of Glasgow and all the house. Dan Smalls. Yeah, yeah, I was like, you're good enough to listen to me, but you mm. really might roll the dice. Really, this this all comes back. I, I did a full circle. Uh, I made a pavilion, so I'll come back to that. So that happened first. What happened was, after the fringe, we thought, right, let's get a tour together. Uh, we missed it in the pavilion. Let's get it. And the, the idea behind the tour was to try and get, like, the Kings to come see it. Uh, well, for, for us to tour and get many a bit of recognition across the country. And hopefully after that, we can get a contract with big theatres, right? So that was the name of the game. Now, at this point, I built up a relationship with one of the companies, the guy who owns a co- one of the companies that had been sponsoring us. And so he backed us. Again, you know, he didn't give us a, it wasn't enough to really make like a fully paid production stuff, but he gave us enough money to at least cover all the expenses and stuff like that for the tour. The Kings were due to see it, and it was a, the, 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 I can't remember the date they came, but the date they were meant to come, something came up, and for whatever reason, they couldn't come. So it was really disappointing. It's um, the way of the world, was it? Aye, there was, there was, but there was a lot of lessons learned just then for the tours. Now, the thing mm. is, when we were doing the 300 seaters, we were always doing well, either selling out or getting close to selling out. But soon we started trying to go up to the 500 seat marks and we were struggling. Then what happened was it was the following year, since we were putting on one more time because we were still in communication with the Kings. And we're like, right, we're going to put it on again then. Basically, just for really them to come see it. They assured mm. me they were coming to see it. Uh, and it was another. We did it at the village field. We went back to the village field for it, and we sold really well. It was it was, it was always a laugh in the show. Anyway, yeah. then I so that, that's what happened. So they'd seen it, uh, and then communicating with him after it, uh, they were like, "Right, no, we, we love it. We're happy to take it, but you need to recast it." So a question I was like, "Is it who is it you don't like? Is there a problem?" Like, well, no, actually. It's not really we have an issue with any of your actors. It's just that you will never be able to sell that show without a named actor. And to be honest, I couldn't even argue with it because I was just at the Dana tour and we couldn't sell out 500 seaters. Yes. Yeah. The King's is a 700 seater. Um, and that's in, uh, and we moved in the Palace Feet on Commander and we had adverts on the radio, you know, on Clyde and still we were like, so what they, they, what they were saying, they, they were saying we met it. Uh, I couldn't really disagree. You know, yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, man, it's been You're four or five years. Many people, it's like. So I said to her, I don't know if I can do that. I, 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 you know, I explained why I couldn't do that, and then he says, all right, well, we're still happy then to take it, but we can't do it. We can't do it in a split deal. You would have to hire the venue, and after running the numbers, it would be. I mean, we were looking at eight and a half grand a night before you've even paid anybody, before you've kicked a ball trying to promote it, and uh, just the risk in that was like the financial risk. It would be stupid. You're talking a hundred grand. I was just, but I, I would just, I was getting an investor to take a bit of faith in us to get. I was like, I can't take a big chunk of money. I mean, you would probably be looking at about 30, 40 grand. Well, no, in fact, maybe up 50, 60 mark. 
mm. um, for a play. So it was at that point I was like, sadly, this is the end of the run. You know, we had good innings with it. Mm. And it was just after that, this is when things changed for us. Joe had bumped into Ian Gordon um, yeah. for the Pavilion. Just by chance at a petrol station, and Joe's like, Fuck it, I'm gonna to speak to him. So when I spoke to him, was like, I don't know if you remember Dirty One. He went, No, I remember. This is a red script. I thought it was funny. And they get into a good bit of conversation. Joe was going through some things with him, like, oh, This would really work. And he said to me, He's like, You know, my problem, my only problem with it is the title. He says, that, You know, people, he says, I like to have things that does what it says in the tin. So, and it makes sense when you look at the shows he puts on. Yeah. Real Housewife, Lesga, Dance Moms, you know, and it, so that's when something clicked because, say, they had they had a show like, say, 51, 51 Shades of Maggie, which is a spoof on 50 Shades of Grey. Yeah. So you know what you're getting, right? It's like it's like if me and you are done singing I'm Not a Billy, he's a Tim. I mean, the fact that we know it probably wouldn't really matter, but that play's got a marketing edge. So you've got, yeah. you know what I mean? So this was when the penny dropped with me. So Dirty Water doesn't have a marketing edge. And I mean, to be fair, Ian, when I when I did speak to him, he was quite direct with me. He didn't lead me down any garden paths or anything like that. And uh, we we spoke about maybe try to find some titles, uh, but it fizzled out. And that's when I was like, well, this is the advice, going back to what you were talking about, what to do with your play. Either you really need a independent financing I don't think it's really viable for theatre. So as really, if if you want to properly, professionally produce it and tour it, you really need to get some funding bodies in Creative Scotland. I mean, the applications, the open funds open all the time. Yeah. I would instead, instead because I mean, it's just as much work trying to secure sponsors and stuff like that. But with that, I mean, sp- sponsors, you're probably never going to get enough, really, to, yeah. to do it professionally. But then if you get an investor, then you've got a, an obligation to try and get a return on that investment mm. so it's not a loss. Whether uh, if you go through the open body, I mean, the, the open fund with Creative Scotland, or I don't know if the name's changed yet, that obligation's not there. And yeah. it is really challenging for theatre to really make money, unless it's the big shows and the big venues with the names behind it. You know what I mean? But generally yeah. speaking, shows that the regional tours, they're not really going to make money. No, if you're paying it, I mean, you know, if you're paying people equity, one yeah. actor's about five and a half pound a week. Add that up. The beauty of profit share. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I decided to move it away from there. And then it's just by chance, the Dirty Water opportunity came back run as a mm. TV. And then that's when I convinced my investor to use the money to go and make the three episodes. When's it coming out? I'm quite excited for it. So I know it's a way we, to be certified. Yeah, so we get two we're two months behind. It will be completed April 23rd as far all post-production. So we're coming up to the last bit. Um sound design, got a wee bit of ADR today, and then the grading. But it should all be completed by the 24th of April. We're definitely going to do a big screening for everybody in May. And then hopefully. How do I get we'll tickets? I'll set, set up within three or four months. Yeah. How do I how do I get tickets? I want to come. Oh no, no, absolutely. How I'll do I get a copy of the play? I want to read the play. Yeah, I'll send you the scripts. Dead buzz. Because I've been 
because obviously I've known Leah now since 2016 and it's been like a, yeah. a, a massive part of her life in that like time frame. Yeah. So I've heard a lot about it. I can't remember why I couldn't come and see it when I was in, I think I was just a student that liked to get drunk and didn't want to go to the theater. But we're going to play a game now. It's one okay. of my favorite games in the world. It's called right. Stage Right or Stage Shy, and it's three stories. Two of them are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth that have been submitted by listeners. And then one of them is complete and utter bullshit that's been made up by um, my producer, Heather. So it's our job to find out which one is the lie, and I've got the answer in a sealed envelope, so I can play along too. Number one, I was in a show, and we were in the same venue for a month in Edinburgh. And this one guy kept sending me letters asking to buy my dirty socks after the show. I received about 12 or 15 letters and he tried to approach me after the show one night. When COVID hit and I was out of work, I wished I'd sold him a few pairs. <laughs> Number two, I was in the bar before a show I was in and there was two audience members who were very early to the show and they were chatting about how they were excited to see their son in the show. But they knew that he was going to be the standout of the show and that the rest of the cast were going to be shite. I told them to enjoy the show as I left the bar and I really wish I could have seen their faces when I walked on stage. Number three, <laughs> number three, I had to run off stage through a prop door in a show. And one night my pal locked the door from behind and I ran at it and obviously it didn't open. I hit the door face first and hit the floor in front of a sold out audience. <laughs> right. So one of them is bullshit. And we've got to figure out which one it is. I, I'm I'm thinking, why would you be in the bar before a show that you're in? I'm going to be honest. The first story seems like the, the one that's the most out there. But I feel like that's true. I feel like that is true. Just the amount of stories that I've been told yeah. about people that get DMs and that on Instagram. Yeah, I absolutely believe that's true. I think I'm going to go for number two. I'm going to go number three. Right, so you're going three, I'm going two. Right, I've opened the door and um, number three, you were right. <laughs> yeah, but that's definitely I don't know how I'm going to call that because that's definitely happened before we've come to the end now and thank you so much for coming on it's been so lovely to get to know you a little bit more because um, like I said before last Saturday I'd heard of you but didn't know who yeah. you were thank you so much for, for coming on and taking the time out of your schedule to come chat some shit great. with me it's been great it's been fun. always fun have you got anything coming up? Are you doing any more shows or anything like that? Uh, right now, uh, that's called a carnage. I've got two things to work on now. I've got, obviously, the Dirty Water deal to get out of the line. So post-production's coming up. We've got, what, 25 days or something remaining to get the, the last couple don't, of things. Don't say done. that because your show's two days, my show's two days before your deadline. So let's not talk about those numbers. <laughs> uh, and then I've got another project. I've got a you know, it was a player wrote, it's kind of been cast every time we've tried to get it after the run, something's went wrong, but we did it at the French and like the amazing reviews. It's got something really about it. It was a fear in New York thing that almost took it as well before the pandemic. So I'm converting that to a, a short film and we're going to apply. We've got a product, I've got a production team again, we're going to apply to this funding body. Mm. So we've got a month to get the production application ready. Mm. Uh, so kind of admin side of stuff the next month. And I wouldn't be an actor if I said it. Let me know if you've got any parts in that said short <laughs> film. Um, yeah, no. Well, I'll tell you all about it when I see you. I will let you get back to normal life and um, thank you so much for coming on. No, it's been great and I look forward to meeting you in person.
And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 84, completed. Thank you so much to John for coming on the podcast, and make sure to follow us both on social media, which you'll find down in the show notes below. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know. And if you have a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. Make sure that you remember you can also become an official Drama School Dropout now by signing up to our Patreon using the link in the show notes below. I'll be back again next week with a brand spanking new episode. Remember, episodes are out every Tuesday and you can catch them at 6am. Have a great week. Stay safe. I love you. Drama school dropout No graduation day for you Drama school dropout Thought your whole course Now try something new Drama school dropout